For more than a century, the Green Bay Packers have been a benchmark for football excellence. Thousands of players have helped pave the way, and we're here to tell you their stories. I'm Wayne Larrabee. This is the Packers Alumni Spotlight. Linebacker Sam Barrington was a seventh round draft choice by the Packers in 2013 out of South Florida. Now, South Florida, that's a long way from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was excited for the opportunity primarily. Um, you know, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, played football all my life, and it never turns into a reality until you start to, you know, really separate yourself from the rest of the guys on the college level. And I saw that was happening for me. But I just wanted to get up to Green Bay and just show the team, um, the coaches, what I could do. Um, and I, was, I just came in with a very serious demeanor. I wanted to work hard every day and show the guys that I could be a professional. Was there anybody early in your career that kind of influenced you, that, that took you in a certain direction that you ended up becoming a pro? When you say early in my career, do you mean college career? or College or high school? Whoever, who had the biggest impact on you and set you on, on the road you, you followed? Yeah, I believe the biggest impact had to be my parents. Um, they're two different people. You know, but they're both very much so hardworking. And I've always been a guy, um, as independent as I was as a kid, I still wanted to make my parents happy. I guess that, that's that oldest son syndrome. And I still live today with everything I do when I work hard is, is for my family. And uh, more than anything, it was my dad and just how he's worked hard his whole life and some of the things that he's been able to do, um, not just here in America, but in other countries as well. And I just wanted to show my dad that, you know, he created somebody who's simple, uh, similar to him and who also cut from the same cloth. What does your dad do? My dad's in the uh, heavy machinery industry, and um, I've taken on that uh, specialty after retiring from the NFL as well. So I'm also in heavy machinery industry, specifically cranes. So we service the construction industry. And again, we're just a family of hardworking people, um, good people with good ethics and good morals. You came to Green Bay uh, and hard work and blue yeah. collar and all that stuff. That's what the Packers are, aren't they? Yeah, I found out pretty early. Um, I think a lot of people, obviously, being a Florida guy, going to college at the University of South Florida, you come to Wisconsin, never, I think I had only seen snow maybe one time in a game my freshman year against the University of Connecticut. So this was a special experience. And, but it just kind of gave me an opportunity to grow up. Obviously, Green Bay is a very small town. There's not much to do in the city of Green Bay, but be a professional and focus on yourself and focus on your craft. And I think that's one of the main reasons uh, the franchise has sustained so much success over a select period of time. You've also joined a team that uh, linebacking core, the linebacker room. Talk about that, the people yeah. in that room, starting, I guess, with Clay Matthews, right? Yeah, well, definitely starting with Clay. I mean, Clay was the ideal professional. And uh, obviously, a lot of people know he started his college career off as an underdog and worked his way up. And so I think beyond anybody, yes, he grew into a superstar, but Clay Matthews was the epitome of a blue-collar guy. Um, next, I definitely have to talk about A.J. Hawk. And so I came, I, I, I came into my own um, after being his backup. And, you know, A.J. was on the latter end of his career, and I got an opportunity to play beside him and also play the same position as him. But A.J. was also a guy who was a consummate professional and did everything the right way. And um, I'm just truly you know, thankful to kind of sit behind him and learn from A.J. 
Um, I think the other guy I'd like to talk about, obviously, is Julius Peppers. When you start to take a look at potential Hall of Famers, I knew very early on that Julius Peppers, obviously, he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. So to be on the field at the same time as Julius, um, he wasn't a guy who talked much, but when he did uh, speak, he spoke with a great deal of tenacity and, and just information and wisdom. In Green Bay, Barrington joined a linebacking corps featuring legendary figures like Clay Matthews, A.J. Hawk, and Julius Peppers. Sam's best season was 2014, when he played in 14 games, starting seven on a squad that came within an eyelash of making it to the Super Bowl. You know, I think we had a lot of talent on that team, and I think the coaching staff just needed a few games to kind of figure out where to, where, how to configure the pieces. I mean, you talk about myself and Clay at the middle linebacker spot, but it's easy to miss a guy like Mike Daniels, who had a heck of a season that year at the nose tackle and defensive end uh, position in the 3-4 defense. You also got to talk about guys like J. Ron Elliott and Ha Ha Clinton Dix, who were young guys that came in and they contributed. I mean, J. Ron was probably our best special teams player, um, and he was a guy who could come in on defense and definitely contribute from a pass rushing standpoint. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix went on to be one of the best safeties in the league his rookie year. And you take a look at offense, a guy like Devontae Adams, who when the coaching staff came in, obviously you select him in the second round, you expect him to contribute, but I don't think people expected Devontae to be who he became um, over the course of his career here in Green Bay. Um, and then obviously Jordy having a career year, I think that was also something that was very special. For us, Jordy was a guy who connected really well with Aaron, him, and Randall. Um, just so many, so much talent on that team. Once the coaching staffs found out, you know how to get everybody in the right spot, we just became an unstoppable force. And me and Clay at the middle linebacker position, I was talking to a guy about it earlier. I think that was probably one of the last years where you saw middle linebackers that size where myself, I'm 6'1", 245 pounds at the time, Clay Matthews, 6'3", 255-pound linebackers. Difficult for anybody in the NFL to run the ball on the defense with that type of size. Sam, that season, if I recall correctly, you guys were in New Orleans. I want to say it was a Sunday night game right before your bye week. You got blasted, trampled by Mark Ingram and the Saints. And that's when Dom Capers, during that bye week, made the change and said, we're going to move Clay Matthews inside, uh, paired him with you, and then all of a sudden you guys started playing the run much better. And that's when that defense evolved to Super Bowl caliber. Can you recall that? Yeah, I recall it. I mean, even myself, you know, and don't get me wrong, I think Clay Matthews moving the inside resulted in uh, less playing time for A.J. Hawk. But there were things that I needed to improve in my game as well. And so I took a hard look at the film, and I think it was more about just making sure I was very firm at the point of contact um, and just knock back tackles, playing with a sense of urgency that you didn't see a lot of young guys playing with at the time. And I think that coupled with Clay being transitioned to the inside, I know he wasn't happy about it at first, but grew to love the position. I think those things is what contributed to us kind of separating ourselves as a defense. So you guys made a playoff run. You beat Dallas in a, a game in Lambeau Field, great game, and then went to Seattle, took on the defending Super Bowl champs, a team you lost to to begin the season, if you right. recall. And you guys going into that game, um, not many people gave you much of a chance, but for 55 minutes, you were far and away the better team. Talk about that day, that game, and what are your remembrances of that? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think primarily I remember it just being a lot of media coverage on that game. And uh, one of the things I mentioned to the media, I told them, hey, we're not the team that we were uh, when we came here in week one. And uh, we're not going to talk much about what we're going to go out and do. And so um, I think you take a look at three quarters of football. Maybe we sacked Russell Wilson maybe six times and probably intercepted him maybe four or five times. And don't get me wrong, uh, Marshawn Lynch did have a great day, but that was their only option. We wanted to keep them to be in a one-dimensional team, no deep shots from Russell Wilson. We knew they wanted to go a lot of play action and had a few interceptions on play action type plays. But we just knew who we wanted to be. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it done. But um, we knew who we were, and we knew that we were the best team in the NFL that year. Obviously, with us beating Cincinnati, I mean, Seattle for majority of the game, and then for them to lose to the Patriots, you know, we pretty much were the best team for majority of the season, and we just couldn't get it done. How devastating was that for yeah. you personally, for the team in general? It was very devastating um, because really it starts in April. Um, usually most teams report April 18th. And so you literally have nine months of a grind, right? Um, well, 10 months, I mean, up until February. And so we were nine and a half months in and everything seemed right. I mean, guys were kind of celebrating on the sideline, not all the way, but guys were just excited. And so to be there, right, and, and to, to, to be there, to be so close, and then lose a game like that. I mean, it 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 matures you. Um, I was very much so saddened. I, I I've only cried after a few fo football games in my life, and that was one. Um, but it was it was it was a cry of joy. It was a cry of pain and joy at the same time, primarily because it's like a release. The season is over. You kind of get back home. You know, celebrate each other, spend some time with each other, and then you know all back at it next year. But it was a uh, it was a, it was a very storied season and it was an experience that I'll never forget. Today, Sam Barrington is the COO of Orlando-based Sky Limit Equipment, LLC. His parents taught him hard work pays off, and it certainly has, both on and off the field for Sam Barrington.